the answer is we, we need everything. We need collaborations that are bringing creativity, that are bringing the full amount of risk that we can take on, that are bringing all the tools that we have in our toolbox. And in enabling ESG within their business model, their thinking, will not only spark Canadian innovation, but it'll actually be an accelerator to their growth. Welcome to Sustainability Leaders. I'm Michael Torrance, Chief Sustainability Officer with BMO Financial Group. On this show, we will talk with leading sustainability practitioners from the corporate, investor, academic, and NGO communities to explore how this rapidly evolving field of sustainability is impacting global investment, business practices, and our world. The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of Bank of Montreal, its affiliates, or subsidiary. Today, we feature guest host Dan Barkley, BMO Capital Markets CEO and Group Head, in conversation with EDC Chief Corporate Sustainability Officer Justine Hendricks and Jonathan Hackett, co-head of the BMO Energy Transition Group and head of sustainable finance at BMO. Their discussion focuses on how banks, governments, and companies in Canada are working to enable the transition to a low-carbon economy. I'm Dan Barkley, CEO and Group Head of BMO Capital Markets. Today, I'm joined by Justine Hendricks, Senior Vice President and Chief Corporate Sustainability Officer at Export Development Canada, or EDC, and Jonathan Hackett, co-head of BMO's Energy Transition Group and head Sustainable Finance. We're here to discuss the role of private and public finance in helping companies reach net zero by 2050. Justine and Jonathan, it's great to have you with us today. I'm looking forward to what I'm sure will be a fascinating conversation about the role of our organizations as we face, engage, and help enable a historic global energy transition. Let's dive in. So we have some very exciting news today, which is the announcement of a collaboration between BMO and EDC to bring sustainable finance solutions to Canadian businesses in carbon intensive sectors to help them reduce or eliminate emissions. Perhaps we can start with you, Justine, to describe the agreement and what it means from an EDC perspective. Thanks, Dan. First, before I get started with that, I just want to thank BMO and yourselves. It's really, really neat and exciting to be here today to talk about this collaboration between BMO and EDC. So you asked me a question, what does it mean from EDC's perspective? Well, you know, at EDC, we see ourselves along with other financiers in Canada as playing an important role to date. And we see ourselves continuing to play a key one from an ecosystem point of view uh, towards how we can better support the transitioning to a lower carbon future and doing so in a way that's very equitable, right? So the goals are ambitious. Um, I think Dan, uh, uh, Jonathan, we were all at uh, COP26 and, you know, it, the, the debate graduated from the billions to the trillions. So the amounts that we're facing are substantive. The opportunity is as well. And I think this is where collaboration and a partner like BMO comes into play. So we know that Canadian companies need to finance these solutions in order to not only help them grow, but also while they do so, while they reduce their carbon footprint, and then it can also materialize on their ESG objectives. So essentially, you know, from the EDC's perspective, this is what this allows us to do. Two organizations coming together, collaborating, risk sharing around some of the risks and the opportunities of this, and really being there for Canadian companies. So let me maybe tell you, as you asked from an EDC perspective, what does this guarantee structure mean, right? So for EDC, 
EDC in this instance will guarantee up to 50% of the term loan. So it's up to a maximum of US 60 million per obligor for a period of up to seven years. So that will provide more capacity for VMO to support their exporting clients to low carbon transition. So as we were doing this collaboration, you know, we started to take a look at what are some of those sectors of opportunity, and we came up with nine, but maybe for the purpose of the audience, I'll, I'll name a few to give them a bit of a teaser, I guess. So one was sustainable agriculture. We also have carbon capture and storage, hydrogen, which I know is really important, as well as microgrid. So that's just to name a few that we're trying to target with this collaboration. And really, in terms of us being able to do this with BMO, is an opportunity for EDC as well to take some concrete steps and how we can help support uh, carbon intensive sectors. And for us to be leading by example as well as we've done in our history and fostering and doing so with an ESG mindset. And we know then, I would say, is, you know, Canada's got tons to offer. We see this as a big opportunity, and we really want Canada to go and seize that opportunity as we're all kind of trying to transition to a low-carbon economy. Well, thanks, Justine. And I think, like you, I was at COP26 and was struck with the amount of change that was on the table. And when I think about that fundamental role of EDC, helping Canadian companies export expertise, technology, and build new businesses, this is, uh, this is very exciting. Jonathan, why don't I turn it over to you? And we know what EDC is bringing to the table. What do we bring to the table? Yeah, Dan. So as we think about what we've been doing over the last few years, is we've built up our approach around the energy transition, around sustainable finance, really spurred on by BMO's purpose to boldly grow the good in business and life. You know, we've devoted a lot of resources to thinking about how we can work with our clients, how we can understand their needs in this space. And so those capabilities are what we're really bringing first and foremost our energy transition technical team, the depth that our lenders have built working with these companies. But we're also bringing what I would call just pure energy. We've got bankers across the organization that are focused on this, that are thinking about how they can work with their clients, how they can work with and attract new clients in the space. And we really think by having something like this, having a program that we can point to as a differentiated approach to provide capital, it'll allow us to really drive that forward and accelerate both EDC and BMO's approach in the space and get us the experience we want working with those companies today. So I think I get most of the thesis as with our audience, but help me take it through, Jonathan, why is this important? Why do businesses need financing that's specifically focused on transition? And why does this collaboration focus on the carbon intensive sectors? Yeah, so I'll answer the latter first, and I think it helps get to the former. So why we focus on carbon intensive sectors is that that's where the biggest near-term impact really can be made. The reality is that we're, we're trying to finance across the organization technologies that are going to be low carbon solutions in the future that are really going to help build into the economy a set of solutions that allow others to decarbonize in a, in a large way. But near term, we really need to invest in companies to make the changes that will drive large amounts of carbon out of the way they run their businesses today. That can be things like fuel switching, going from a higher intensity carbon-based fuel to a lower intensity carbon-based fuel. It can be about demand management, really reducing how much energy they consume. But these are all solutions that can take large amounts of emissions out of the, the environment over the next 10 years, 20 years, so that when we get to a net zero economy, we're doing it with less residual impact, less emissions that are gonna drive temperature change in the future. Why 
it's important for companies to get financing just for this, though, is a bit more subtle. Really, when you're working and running a smaller or medium-sized company, you're focused on your day-to-day business, and that's what you understand best. And helping companies access a set of solutions and to finance those alongside their business is a unique opportunity because you can give them advice, you can help them understand what they can do to transform their business, but you can also unlock a cost savings usually or, or some change in their operating profile that could be beneficial to the business and give it resilience in the future if you support it with the right depth. And so because that doesn't look like their day-to-day, it really does need solutions and tools to help them see how this can compete in their priorities versus other near-term aspects of their business and get the focus on it that'll allow us to drive that change in their business nearer term. And how does the collaboration help? Like, what does the collaboration achieve that each of our two organizations can't do on our own? So I'll chime in first, and then Justine, I'd love your thoughts on it as well. For us, this is just about how we take risk. The reality is that we want to be our client's big partner in the transition to a net zero economy, and that's going to involve working with them on nascent or emerging technologies, things like hydrogen or carbon capture, where you're really investing in something that it exists. We, we've seen it operate, but we don't have the depth of expertise that we have in some of the more traditional, you know, more carbon intensive spaces. And so we're really trying to think about how we can be there and be there in a more significant way for our clients. But that involves taking risks. And banks are you know, notoriously focused on how do we moderate and make sure that when we take risks, we're, we're getting rewarded and taking outsized risks is something that can be challenging. And so by sharing that balance sheet, by going with a friend, making sure that we're working on this together, we're, we can devote a set of expertise and capabilities and energy that allows us to say yes to more than we could if we were operating on our own. Yeah, we're at a historical uh, point in time and the changes that are required are significant, right? So Jonathan talked about, you know, new sectors, new risks, longer periods of time and being able to kind of tackle it together. So this is for me when I think of this question, right? Like I think of the book of, you know, what got you here may not get you to the next level. And it feels like we're at that moment where we need everybody's expertise in terms of what got them to this point. But recognizing the enormity of the challenge that's ahead of us, we need to be able to come together in terms of either sharing the risk. I'd also say sharing the knowledge because there'll be lots of learning along the way. And if we do that together, I think we'll be able to have a lot more impact faster because, you know, as Jonathan mentioned, recognizing the importance of starting early, but starting now and starting to get these wins. I think was also part of the contribution to what sparked this collaboration because we knew that we needed to be able to give that signal to the market and wanted to get started with those companies, as Jonathan says, that in terms of their list of priorities day to day, the reality is this may not be part of it. So we can play definitely a role to incorporate it in terms of their thinking for the future. So Justine, let's pivot a little bit and talk about some of the target companies here. Now, EDC has been a trailblazer in Canada's innovation story. It's one of the large financiers of clean tech in Canada, and it was the first Canadian financial institution to issue a green bond and the first export credit agency to commit to net zero by 2050. How does financing carbon-intensive businesses fit into EDC's mandate as an export credit agency? Yeah, no, that's a great question, Dan. So I guess I'd start off by saying that being an export credit agency 
Um, what comes with that is that our philosophy and our belief is that we need to engage with all industries, right? And that in includes industries that are carbon intensive. So we're looking at obviously leveraging the efforts that have already begun and also recognizing that, as we've stated a bit earlier, I think some of these carbon intensive industries within the Canadian context of a resource-based economy can bring a huge contribution in terms of the momentum that we need towards achieving some of these net zero objectives that we have and respecting the, the Paris Agreement commitments that we made. So our job as an export agency is not only to engage, but is to support those individual companies. And the philosophy we bring to the table is that we believe that companies invest in this and in enabling ESG within their business model, their thinking, will not only spark Canadian innovation, but it'll actually be an accelerator to their growth. So, you know, regardless of a company where it's at or the industry that it's at or the market that it's targeting for is very much at the heart of a ECA, as we say, as an export credit agency to make sure that we can be there for them and in order to be able to support them in this transition. So, Justine, that was very helpful in terms of how we think about how you're thinking about this. But more generally, are there other types of companies that you're trying to support on this initiative or certain technologies or certain subsectors, anything that could uh, help our listeners? It's a great follow-on, Dan. And maybe what I can mention is, you know, from an export credit agency where we're looking to support companies be successful internationally, right? So certainly what I would love to share with the audience today is, you know, if we look at some of the key markets, so we think of North America, we think of Europe, and we think of Asia. There are certainly sectors that we can see that we, we see with high potential, right? So if you think of the infrastructure sector, I would say clean tech goes across all of these different markets, and, and there's lots that Canadian capabilities have to offer. Two weeks ago at Globe, we were talking about Canada's ability to help agri-food become more sustainable globally. I would certainly articulate that there's lots that we can offer across North America, Europe, and Asia in that regard. And it's twofold. I would say there's the, the technology component to all of these sectors. There's the know-how as some of these sectors are transforming that will not only help Canada, but we can bring around the world to help others transform. And I think also in some instances, in Europe in particular, I'm thinking of our ability to become part of some of these major supply chains is also a real opportunity for Canada. Maybe in that, what I'd, I'd offer is, you know, if you think of short, medium, and long term, certainly North America, we can see an immediate opportunity there. Europe as well to the medium term. When we think of Asia, we, we include India, China, and all the Asian nations. Definitely, we see that as a medium to long term investment. But as you can see, there's lots that Canada has to offer. And certainly as Canadian companies and even partners such as BMO, you know, work with ourselves and the Canadian trade ecosystem, such as the trade commissioners and other services, either in Canada or abroad, it can really help in terms of demystifying, I would say, the, the export journey of some of these companies and really help connect them to some very tangible opportunities. I love all of that. Absolutely all of it. Jonathan, let's put another layer on this. Why do you think these types of collaborations are important for the road to net zero and helping us and our clients mitigate the risk of climate change? Yeah, I think I'll go back to a little bit of what I was saying earlier about just the amount of emissions that we can remove ahead of getting to 2050. I go back to, you know, the steepness of those curves is always the thing that people argue about, about how quickly can we remove carbon and 
the focus often is, can we get down towards net zero and like how much is going to be left towards the end? But to me, the thing that is most meaningful is just how do we remove the area under that curve? The area under the curve of carbon versus time really is how much is out there in our atmosphere and what is going to drive those risks of climate change. And so when you see that large imposing challenge, you know, people estimate it in the trillions of dollars a year, every year for the next 30 years. The answer is we, we need everything. We need collaborations that are bringing creativity, that are bringing the full amount of risk that we can take on, that are bringing all the tools that we have in our toolbox. And, and we use that sometimes when we're trying to you know, think about how do we make money in a new space. And sometimes people think that the path to net zero doesn't necessarily bring out the same focus and the same drive on, on those solutions that we use to drive revenue with our clients. And I think we need all of those same tools. We need the tools that allow solar financing to become extremely risk-reduced and you know, extremely attractive to capital. We need everything else that we can for all of these solutions, not just on the green side, but also on those that are going to drive the transition. And so I think if we get that right, it allows us to compete. It allows us to compete for that global you know, multi-trillion dollar per year financing goal of how, how do we as Canada or our clients more broadly across the footprint think about their role and, and tools like this, wherever we can find them are invaluable for our ability to, to really drive this forward as fast as possible. Well, I think we've done a good job trying to bring this to life. Why don't I uh, change up the pace a bit? Let's go for some rapid fire questions. So some real quick answers to these. Analysis suggests that some 120 trillion is required through 2050 to shift the global economy's energy production to a no carbon emission source. Does the scale of that challenge represent a risk or an opportunity, or both? Jonathan, you go first. I'll say both. I really think you know, the real challenge is that if we don't hit the pace on it, the number compounds. You know, you need both reduction and then resilience. You need to solve for how are we going to emit less carbon, but also if we let enough carbon be emitted, we got to solve for how are we going to deal with rising sea level, temperature changes, more adverse weather events, and, and making all of our infrastructure resilient to those changes. Justine. Yeah, so Jonathan, I think, took the words right out of my mouth, Dan. It's definitely both. And maybe what I, I add to that, but, I, you know, I'm used to Jonathan doing that. I, what I would <laughs> add to that, too, is some of these, you know, the, the new technologies that we have to test out, there's some lots of learning that we have to do, right? I, I, I think back of pre-COVID and how quickly we accelerated some of the science, right, to get these vaccines to immunize us. Like I, 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 I see this analogy applying here where we definitely have to accelerate fast. So what comes with that also is some risk. So our ability to actually learn along the way and adjust and demonstrate a lot of agility, I think is definitely going to help to manage and, and have the right balance between the risk and the opportunity that I believe, again, is for Canada to go and seize its chair. Okay, second rapid fire. Uh, Justine, you're going to go first. Why is it important for our companies, BMO as a bank, and EDC as a crown corporation focus and experts to work together? So, you know, if I, if I think about it, Dan, you know, exporting for me is the equivalent from a country's point of view to economic prosperity. It certainly has a big a feeder into it. So we know the, tra- the challenge is historical, as you said. We also, I think, talked about the uniqueness of our own economy. So we need to solve for our problems and being able to solve it in partnership and through collaboration is what is required. 
So I think the combination of being able to to bring our know-how to the rest of the world while we solve our own problems is a must. And the ability of us to do that faster and faster, I think will allow us to transition our own economy and do our contribution. And then certainly at the same time, contribute to those that could really appreciate the know-how we bring to the table and the approach by often which we tackle some of these big challenges. Okay, Jonathan. So I'll echo that. I think Justine took most of the words out of my mouth. So I'll just try and sum it up. I think the answer for both why it works for us and why it works for Canada is scale. You know, we as organizations are approaching what feels like an, a massive problem and the doing this together allows us to operate with a greater scale, be able to take on risks and pursue the opportunity in a different way. And I think that's also why this poses such a great opportunity for Canada and their clients that are exporting, which is, you know, if we try and solve this just inside Canada, you know, there's a target addressable market for each of these companies that could become limited. It could actually make the economics more challenging. But if we give them access to the ability to take their solutions, bring them up around the world, we really can give them a scale that they can address that allows them to really achieve something much greater and to get to a level of economics on some of these solutions that might bring different outcomes to the market. Well, for our listeners' benefit, I'm a really simple person. When we collaborate, we get to one plus one equals three. And in, it creates new opportunities and new abilities. And I love the fact that we put this together. Final closing question. What gives you optimism about the energy transition? Justine? I couldn't agree with you more then. And I guess for me, I was trying to think of one word, right? And for me, the word is momentum. You know, your one plus one equals three, I think is, is fantastic. And you can just see those, those trios kind of accelerating and, and becoming more common to the stories we're hearing in the market. So our ability to be able to play our part in that and do it in collaboration with a partner like Vimo is what gives me huge optimism. And also the fact that I think Canada has a longstanding history in terms of innovation in the energy sector and many others. So, you know, it's it's a real uh, opportunity for us to go and seize, and it's, it's really cool to see the different industries coming together on this. And Jonathan? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, it's really that we're seeing that steep part of the adoption curve. We've seen so many companies looking and saying, this is something I need to address, not just for myself, but for the economy writ large. And that's where I think it really gives me optimism that what could have felt pretty lonely and solitary a couple of years ago, really does feel like we're working with the entire economy to solve a really big problem and able to draw in tools like this with partners that are thinking about it and really drive forward a a pace that I think is really encouraging. So that's a wrap. Jonathan and Justin, thank you very much. I think you've brought together something very innovative, very thoughtful, and I'm looking forward to great things from this collaboration. It's great to see us working together as two very strong and powerful institutions in Canada to bring Canadian knowledge and innovation to the world. Thanks for the efforts you put into this, and uh, I can't wait to see the output from this collaboration. That's all for this week's podcast. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate our listeners, and we appreciate you tying into what is a very important and innovative moment as we look forward on energy transition. Thanks for your time. Thanks for listening to Sustainability Leaders. This podcast is presented by BMO Financial Group. 
To access all the resources we discussed in today's episode and to see our other podcasts, visit us at bmo.com forward slash sustainability leaders. You can listen and subscribe free to our show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast provider, and we'll greatly appreciate a rating and review and any feedback that you might have. Our show and resources are produced with support from BMO's marketing team and Puddle Creative. Until next time, I'm Michael Torrance. Have a great week. The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of Bank of Montreal, its affiliates, or subsidiaries. This is not intended to serve as a complete analysis of every material fact regarding any company, industry, strategy, or security. This presentation may contain forward-looking statements. Investors are cautioned not to place undue reliance on such statements as actual results could vary. This presentation is for general information purposes only and does not constitute investment, legal, or tax advice, and is not intended as an endorsement of any specific investment product or service. Individual investors should consult with an investment, tax, and or legal professional about their personal situation. Past performance is not indicative of future results.